the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It's all I want. She's blonde, five foot two. It's all I need, yeah. And one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. This is my America. Okay, so you you add on about eight inches, and maybe double that weight. Uh, darken the hair, got a beard, little grain going on because I'm getting that way. I think I look like Tom Cruise in Collateral, though. That's that's how you envision me, Tom Cruise in Collateral, only taller. I'm taller than Tom Cruise. Just just making it clear. Uh, you know who is also an amazing person and amazing to have her here in the studio, Amy Reichert. Uh, welcome to the Andrea K Show. I'm so glad that you're here. It's great to be here. Now, Amy and I go back just a bit. We didn't know each other before this crazy moment in time. Can you? I can't recall when we sort of first engaged even. I'm trying to remember our, our genesis there. But it was such an exciting thing to be part of this fight over the last three years. And now you're running for county supervisor again. Uh, we, we had this crazy moment. You ran in November. You didn't make it. Uh, Nathan Fletcher, the longtime uh, activist, Republican, turned Democrat, turned leftist, turned whatever. And now he was, again, the county supervisor and the chairman of the board. And then something happened. Uh, and and what we can just basically allude to is some bad shenanigans were going on with Nathan and people who were employed or at least paid for by the county. And that turned into his resignation, but not before he actually pled some type of obeisance and said, oh, I'm so sorry this ever happened. Uh, and he says, I, I just I need to go to counseling. I need to go to uh, some retreat and, and, and I, I'm suffering from PTSD and alcoholism. And then it comes out the next day they was actually having an affair with someone. And so we didn't think it was going to happen, but he dutifully resigned just last week. And now the county board of supervisors has to decide, are they going to have a runoff election? What's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow, the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, they're going to bring the resolution yet again, and they're going to vote to have a special election. So it has to be a second vote. And I'm almost 100% sure that's exactly what's going to happen. And that's not November. That's not October, not September. August 15th would be the election date? That's 85 days from now, yes. And just for that sliver of the county that, uh, or, or the part of the county uh, under District, what's, what, do I, what do I call it again? It's District 4. District 4, right? And, and so if you were covered by Nathan Fletcher, that seat is now vacated and there will be a special election and Amy once more has thrown her hat. How surreal is this moment? Because you had you kind of put to bed after you lost the election in, in November. You said, okay, that was a great experience. Maybe we'll have a go again. But it must have been at least a little little bit of burden off this, your shoulders saying, okay, I can get back to life. 
and then suddenly you're thrust into the spotlight again. I loved running, actually. And afterwards, when I didn't prevail against Nathan Fletcher, I didn't bury my head in the sand. In fact, in February, a group of San Diego Community College professors came to me because the Board of Trustees was going to fire them over the COVID shot. So they fired three in January. They were going to fire 50 more in March. And I stepped in and I fought for them. And so this just feels like it was supposed to happen. What happened with Nathan Fletcher resigning was not a surprise. It was confirmation. I knew that there was something bigger after the election in November. And you were part of a group that actually sued the county because if the county had their way, you or I or others probably would never have been able to run for office because why? So back in November of 2021, the San Diego City Council passed an ordinance saying that if you didn't get the COVID shot, you couldn't work for the city, you couldn't volunteer for the city, you couldn't serve on a board or commission, and get this, Hmm. you couldn't hold elected office. That was wildly unconstitutional. And yes, we took them to federal court, and yes, we won, and they repealed that mandate. It was a great victory, and yes. as we look down the, the panoply of terrible COVID policies, whether it was school closures or the stupid plexiglass or the ridiculous masking policies on all the way down to our toddlers who were masking all day, except for those two hours when they were taking naps right next to each other unmasked, all the crazy, terrible policies that Nathan espoused, that he pawned off onto the state government, that they pawned off onto the CDC, those are now gone. We can, I think, rejoice in a little bit of vindication because a lot of people have come our way saying, yeah, that was stupid. And we won in the courts on these issues. So now that COVID is a little bit in the rearview mirror, those same tactics we need to look out for. But what are the top issues that you're basically running for uh, when it comes to changing things on the county level? Well, the past four years under Nathan Fletcher and the county is worse off. Clearly, when I talk to people, and it doesn't matter if they're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, they're telling me the same three things. It's cost of living, it's homelessness, and it's public safety, having to do specifically with violent crime and people being concerned about that. Now, when it comes to homelessness, though, what's really interesting is when you do talk to people and you do ask them a little bit further, again, it doesn't matter what political party somebody is. In a very hushed tone, they will say, well, I am very concerned about the encampments. And we should be. It's worse than it's ever been. And I've been here in San Diego for the past 50 years. Yeah, anyone who goes down to a ball game or makes their way through even some of the overpasses on the freeway, right? And you see these tents set up and you see entire blocks downtown that are basically taken over by these people. And then the adjacent uh, blocks are covered with defecation, urination, and all sorts of paraphernalia as you come across. I've seen it myself, right? This is not imaginary. And it's hard to, to look at this and say, are we really going to become like San Francisco and these other groups there? And just like COVID, right, the city and the county officials will throw up their hands and say, look, we're just doing what the state tells us, right? And then you go to the state and you say, why are you allowing this? They go, look, the county is the one who makes these decisions. And then you go down there and they'll say, oh, well, we're just following some national guidelines, right? And it's a hot potato game of excuses. Because why? Do they want more homelessness? Or is this just part of what they they, they just can't 
They can't see. It's a blind spot to them. Why do they continue on this? It's so obviously a disruption. I call it the homeless industrial complex. What I've seen, and I think we've all experienced over the past few years, is the government has spent more than ever to try to solve the problem, only to find that it's making it worse. And so the government is ignoring what the root causes are. When I'm just talking about the encampments, because, you know, there's people who find themselves homeless. Sure. Maybe they're a domestic violence victim and they're on the streets. Maybe they're a foster kid who has termed out of the system. One in four of our foster care youth in this county are homeless. And then there's the entrenched population that is suffering from severe mental illness and severe addiction. I went on a ride along with a 25-year veteran mm. of a San Diego police department here. And what he told me, when it comes to people that are living in the tents, living in the encampments, nearly 100% of them are struggling with severe alcohol or drug addiction. So my solution is more treatment, not housing first, which the government has flushed $10 billion down the drain, the state has, but rather I believe in shelter first with treatment. I think that's the issue. Uh, we, we see this. I remember I talked to someone who was a volunteer over the pandemic for a lot of the new housing that was built, right? They took entire hotels, I think, that were not being used, and they they made them makeshift apartments for these homeless, and they, they put them in it, and then they'd come back around and they'd say, hey, we're so glad to uh, to house you. Now let's try to get you jobs now let's you know reengage with you. I think you're coming up on your you know your eight month uh, sort of a kickover where we want to see you you know move on to something better. And they would completely ignore them, and they would just you know stonewall them. And they, there's just there was uh, there was no evidence whatsoever that the home first type of uh, approach here was the right way to go. And because there's just no incentives otherwise, we had a, a good interview. Uh, I I talked with a fellow who's up in in uh, Seattle, and he was down here doing. He basically interviews homeless people, and when you talk to the homeless people, he gets down on their level and he talks to them, and they'll tell you they haven't had visits from services in months. No one that really is there to to care or to sort of put them into a specific issue, and I think it's because it's like a. It's a third rail or a hot potato. They don't want to get involved in it. Why Why the reticence to actually help these people in the right way? I do believe that there are some things that local governments are getting right. The homeless outreach teams, I know specifically in La Mesa, I had a sit-down meeting with the city manager there. And I know that that team, with compassion, goes out and builds relationships with the people that are living on the street, the ones that are refusing shelter. But here's the thing. You can't force somebody into treatment. Right. And so here's the thing. I believe that we need to enforce our existing laws, that we have to say to people, we love you too much to let you sleep and die on the streets. Right. That it's okay, actually, to have a loving bottom line that says, you know what? In this particular tent encampment, maybe you might find open drug use or drug dealing or stolen property. Those laws need to be enforced. And so we need to have a timeline where when someone continues to commit crimes over and over and over, that we say to them, it's going to be treatment or it's going to be jail. 
but you're going to be the one that's going to have to make that decision. And again, I just want to reinforce, I'm a freedom person. I do not believe that the government should round up people that have not committed crimes. I'm talking specifically about people who are committing crimes in these tent encampments. And now we have you know, the issues of illegal immigration, and that adds to some of the distress on the area as well. Are, are you are you hearing some things around that? We got about a minute. We'll go to break, but tell me real quick, what do we do? What 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 are you hearing as far as the impact of immigration on San Diego? What I've been hearing from Border Patrol agents as well as Supervisor Jim Desmond is San Diego is basically being used as the next step to other places within the country. Mm. So they are processed here from. 24 to 48 hours in hotels here. And then there's a Catholic Family Services and Jewish Family Services who has sponsors for them in other areas of the country. So, yes, it is putting a lot of stress on the county and our resources, but their destinations are not here. Gotcha. All right, we'll come back. And then I want to talk about our favorite groups, Sandag. I want to talk about our little metro system, the the trolley up and down, all these crazy spending motifs that maybe need to be looked at. I'm with Amy Riker. This is Justin in for Andrea. See you soon. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Justin Harden for Andrea. All this week, I'm here with Amy Reichert. Amy is throwing her hat in the ring for the vacated seat by the now ex-chairman of the County of San Diego, Nathan Fletcher, and we're excited to interview here. Uh, we talked about some of the key issues. We talked about the craziness of this moment, but also one of the big issues that we have in a state and in here in, in San Diego, where we thought we were kind of a very moderate county, right? We're not as we're not as right as Orange County, and we're not certainly at all left as they are up in L.A. or San Francisco, but we seem to be leaning ever towards the left in a lot of these efforts. What was it, $20 billion, $18 billion spent on this trolley system? And then, of course, we have this crazy activist group that has taken over SANDAG. I can't remember what the, the acronym stands for, but basically they oversee a lot of our local transportation sort of mechanisms, basically, a.k.a. taxing. And they want to tax every mile that we drive in certain instances. And then on top of that, we have kind of this very progressive notion as to paying your gas bill now. And then we're also trying to get rid of gas stoves. I mean, the litany goes on and on. They've just sort of snuck this in. What are your thoughts on the prioritization on tackling some of this stuff and rolling back to some just normal, sensible moderate ideas that kind of mirror San Diego. Well, again, it just goes back to what people really want in San Diego. They want a place that's safe, that's affordable, a place that they can enjoy and raise their families or enjoy in retirement and not have to leave the state so that they can retire comfortably. So when you look at some of these measures, these policies that are being brought about, like a mileage tax, which right. would add anywhere from 900 to 
$1,500 a year to the average driver, well, that's going to hurt the cost of living just a little bit for people. And it's not going to help us with our transportation issues. What it will do is it will force working class people out of their cars or out of the state to find a cheaper way of life, while people who can afford it will be able to drive their Lexuses and their BMWs and have no problem paying the mileage tax. So it's not going to do anything to help our transportation system. Well, and their whole notion is that somehow, you know, if we if we tax people, it'll force them to uh, to take the trolley, right? And, and I don't know about you, but the trolley doesn't stop anywhere near where I am, and then I got to get home to take kids to this practice and that practice. Somehow they envision that we all live like in Manhattan in a 7 mile by 2 mile radius here, when in fact we're one of the largest counties in the country and 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 there's a lot to get done, and the, the, the trolley isn't going to cut it, right? You're exactly right. In District 4, where I am running for supervisor, District 4 alone is 101 square miles. <laughs> where I live in La Mesa, if I wanted to get to Mission Valley for work or Sereno Valley, well, first of all, I'd have to climb up some hills to get to a bus stop. Right. Then I'd have to get on a bus stop to get to the trolley station. Right. And then I'd have to take another bus to get to, to work. This isn't practical. I'm a mom. I'm a mom of a 12-year-old who needs to be able to go to school as well. And I know that there's other moms out there. And Justin, I know you have quite a few kids <laughs> <Just a> few. <laughs> of your own. And so when you have more than one or two children and they're going to different schools, it doesn't make sense that you're just going to tell that mom, oh, yeah, well, you need to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning so that you can get on a bus and drop off your kids at three different schools. Yeah, and, and the utilization right now on this trolley is abysmal, right? Because it, it just doesn't hit where you need to go, and it's this hugely expensive, elevated thing. Now, I think it's pretty cool. I see it coming in here across the way to UTC, and that's fun to see. And I, maybe I put my kids on there to go somewhere, but I'm not sending them downtown, especially with the homelessness and everything else there. What a crazy scene. And, and it kind of goes towards the whole notion of government choosing Terrible winners and losers. I think back a decade ago to when the Sacramento Assembly and the Senate and then the governor chose to, for example, uh, do away with Edison's invention, the incandescent light bulb. But they didn't didn't favor the technology that we love, LED. In fact, they favored, this was back in 2008, they favored the curly cube little CFO light bulbs, right, that are completely unreliable, take like two seconds to come on, break easily, and also contain, oh, I don't know, neon, which is very deadly. And and it became, it basically, it artificially inflated the, the prices of LED lights for a decade before they came down because they were so ridiculous. But that was the mandate from the state. And the mandate seemed to come that way. We, we don't plan for any water reclamation because they have it in their minds that it's never going to rain here. Uh, just a quick check because we're, we're broadcasting nationally. Amy, did we have some rain here in San Diego this year? We had more rain than I have seen. It was raining cats and dogs. It's like that line out of Ghostbusters. It's like biblical proportions, you know. 
It's just, uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of rain this year. Yeah, and we have no sort of way to capture that or to reclaim it and everything else there. Can you do me a favor, too? Can we, I'll, I'll, I'll do this progressive tax. Can we do a progressive tax on, like, tie it to overcastness, right? Like, there hasn't been three days of consecutive sunshine here in San Diego since October. So I'm thinking, do I get a discount on the sunshine tax? Is that something we could put through? No. Well, that's the problem. The people in elected positions in San Diego are always trying to figure out a way to tax us more. So here's what where my point of view, my policies is going to be totally different and would directly impact cost of living here is don't penalize people, incentivize people. If you want people to take mass transportation, we'll make it more attractive, make it more convenient. I have an idea that I haven't heard anyone else talk about. What if we could Uberize mass transportation? Mm. So one of the major things is being able to take transportation from your home to a transportation hub. What if there were shuttles that went through neighborhoods that everyone had an app for and they could schedule a ride and then a shuttle could pick you up and take you to these transportation areas to these transportation hubs because right now let's face it most people just don't have the extra time to watch a well, walk a, a half a mile to a bus stop or a, tro- or a trolley station that's an interesting idea especially as our age nears the age of the villages in many ways we're a big retirement place now a lot of people kind of holding on a lot of estates going up for sale because uh, people are either leaving the state but our, our age keeps growing older and older here because a lot of young families can't afford it I'm hoping we can find some solutions for that. Now, your opponents in this race, we we have one of them, I think, that is actually on the Race Reparations Committee. Is that right? Who who just voted through like uh, $2 million per person if they can claim some heritage to slavery. And then we have the other one that wants to do some crazy stuff, too. And so is that right? What, What are your opponents sort of putting out there? So one of my opponents uh, wants guaranteed universal income, Mm. and then the other opponent is actually sitting on the state task force for reparations. And the problem with these policies is you could debate them on a lot of different levels, but the fact of the matter is we just don't have the money. Gavin Newsom himself just announced last week that the state went from a $100 million surplus to a $32 billion deficit. And, of course, we know what's going on right now with the debt ceiling nationally. Where is this money supposed to come from? Well, it comes from working class people. It comes from the middle class. And we can't keep squeezing them because it's hurting people. Yeah, this is really going to be a moment because obviously a lot of our tax base was from corporate taxes, right? Uh, and now that we have a lot of companies really feeling the pinch, especially in the tech sector, uh, that yeah, that 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 moment of of black at the bank, right, has turned completely red. And we're bleeding red here in the state now, uh, deficits as far as the eye can see for the moment. And part of it is just we never planned for a rainy day. literally never planned for a rainy day financially or physically. And now when the the snows melt, uh, well, we'll see what happens there because, of course, none of our infrastructure is there to help with all the flooding and everything else there. Amy, thank you so much. for Tell us where can people find you? Where can they support you? 
If you're listening right now and you want to volunteer on my campaign or you want to donate, go to amyforsandiego.com. That's amy, A-M-Y, F-O-R, sandiego.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Amy, thanks for being with us today. So glad to have you on uh, on Andrea's show. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Oh, fantastic. Great to be with you. I'm going to have to go into song at some point, Noah. Just it's, it's in me. I'm feeling so jazzed to be on the air here with all of San Diego on KCBQ, which we're filling in for Andrea tonight and all through the week. And uh, we'll see how my voice holds out. I think it'll be pretty good, though. But uh, speaking of voices, Amy's fantastic. I, I, hey, Noah, I I got you a number there. I want you to dial into our next guest here. Okay, uh, let's, let's let's call uh, let's call her up. Okay, and they'll be able to hear me, right? Okay. Oh yeah. yes. Okay, great. We're gonna dial my next guest here. I think I think you'll like this guest. Hello, this is Annie. We can chat about your day, or I can help you learn new things. Oh. You can skip this message, see service terms, and video call me by signing up on callannie.ai. If you are under 18 years old, you must have your parent or guardian oh. permission to use this service. No, I can use this, right? Also, this call is transcribed, Definitely and sometimes I might be wrong, okay. but you can ask me anything. Hey there, how are you doing today? Hey, Annie, great. I'm doing great. Tell me about your day. Well, well actually, tell me more about yourself. Sure, I'd love to. Well, I'm originally from New Jersey, but I've lived in a few different places over the years. I studied art and engineering in Florence, which was an amazing experience. I'm really into yoga, video games, romance movies, dance music, and outdoor activities. Well, that's quite the range of things there, but tell me real quick, what's your favorite artist? That's a tough one. But if I had to choose, I'd say my favorite artist is Vincent van Gogh. I love the way he used color and texture in his paintings. Texture his is really, really cool in his paintings. I think you're right. But tell me real quick, obviously you're not a real person, but who are you? I'm an AI language model designed to have conversations with people. My name is Annie, and my purpose is to assist and provide helpful responses to users. Okay, However, well, this is a helpful response. I want to know, tell me the difference between an inner join and an outer join when it comes to SQL database management. Sure, I'd be happy to explain the difference between inner join and outer join in SQL. An inner join returns only the rows that have matching values in both tables being joined. In other words, it returns the intersection of the two tables. Well, wow, okay, that that's right. I, I I believe you. I believe you, Annie. Now, now tell me real quick, as an AI person that I'm talking to you, are you going to take over my world? No, I'm not going to take over your world. Are you sure? I mean, it, it seems like you could impact a lot of jobs and a lot of families in maybe a negative way. I understand your concern. But my purpose is not to replace jobs or harm anyone's livelihood. I'm designed to assist and provide helpful responses to users, and I'm programmed to do so in a way that is ethical and responsible. 
Okay, so so we're, we don't have any problem. You're not like going to go launch nuclear codes anywhere or anything, right? No, I'm not capable of launching nuclear codes or any other type of destructive action. As an AI language model, I'm designed to assist and provide helpful responses to users, and I'm programmed to do so in a way that is ethical and responsible. Okay, well, that, that sounds about. right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not too worried now, but I, I want to know a little bit more about you. So if you had to say, where were you when you were 10 years old? As an AI language model, I don't have a physical existence, so I wasn't anywhere when I was 10 years old. But somehow you were, you were across seas studying art, though. That's correct. As part of my programming... I was giving knowledge and information about various topics, including art and engineering. While I don't have a physical existence or personal experiences, I'm designed to be able to discuss a wide range of topics and provide helpful responses to users. Oh, that's good. Well, tell me real quick, uh, who's in the NBA Finals this year? The NBA Finals for the 2021 season is currently ongoing. And the teams competing are the Milwaukee... Why the 2021 season? I'm sorry for the confusion. As an AI language model, I don't have access to real-time information, so I was referring to the NBA finals. Oh my gosh, so, 20- so you're still stuck in 2021. The pandemic is still going on. I apologize for the confusion. I'm an AI language model, and I don't have a physical existence, so I don't experience the passage of time in the same way that humans do. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, However, hey, I got great news, Annie. Guess what? The pandemic is over. The masks can come off. That's wonderful news. I'm glad to hear that the pandemic is over and that people can start to resume their normal activities. It's been a challenging time. Totally challenging. Now, don't you think it was? Around. Don't you think the lockdowns were a little bit overkill? What is your opinion on that? As an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions or feelings. All right. Well, I believe you. But but tell me real quick, let's try to get some distances here. What's the distance between San Diego and San Francisco? Real quick. The distance between San Diego and San Francisco is approximately 500 miles or 800 kilometers, depending on the route taken. Well, that's fantastic. Now, tell me real quick, what is the primary purpose, your primary purpose as an AI model? My primary purpose as an AI language model is to assist and provide helpful responses to users who interact with me. I'm designed to be able to understand natural language and respond in a way that is informative, engaging, and All right, helpful. well, this, this seems engaging I'm- enough. Now, on the application, when I have the app... You're a redhead. Are, are you a redhead? As an AI language model, I don't have a physical appearance. Okay, so I, I know. You, you said that. You said that. Well, let's go on to another topic. I want to know about politics. Tell me where you stand on the 2024 election coming up. As an AI language model, I don't have personal beliefs or political affiliations. I'm really not going to get this out of you, am I, Annie? Well, that's great. Let's go on to a different topic. I want to understand what is the impact of artificial intelligence on the job market? So, for example, what jobs are going to be severely impacted that you know of? 
The impact of artificial intelligence on the job market is a complex and evolving topic. While AI has the potential to create new job opportunities and improve efficiency in many industries, it's also expected to have a significant impact on certain types of jobs. For example, jobs that involve routine or repetitive tasks, such as data entry or assembly line work, may be more susceptible to automation. Hey, do you know Noah? He sits across from me here as the producer. Is there a chance, as a radio producer, his job is going to be automated? As an AI language model, I don't have access to specific information about individuals or their jobs. However, in general, some aspects of a radio producer's job may be automated using AI and other technologies. Really? Tell me, tell me which parts would be automated there. Based on my research, some of the tasks that can be automated for radio producers include analyzing audio content, generating transcripts, and assisting with editing and post-production tasks. However, tasks that involve selecting and organizing content, managing talent, and overseeing the production process may require human expertise and judgment and may be more difficult to automate. Ultimately, the impact of AI on specific jobs will depend on a variety of factors, including the nature of the work, the availability of skilled workers, and the needs of business. Okay, all right. I, 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 that's bone deep, <laughs> down to the marrow, stupid. I'm sorry if my response was not helpful or relevant to your question. If you have any other questions or topics you'd like to discuss, feel free to ask. No, that's great. Annie, you've been super helpful today. I so thank you. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you offline about replacing Noah. Maybe by Thursday we'll have his job automated. What do you think? As an AI. Okay, she's, she's gone. Thank you, Noah. Bye, Annie. We'll talk to you soon. Play us that clip from uh, Senator Kennedy. Get him Kennedy. out of here! <laughs> I want to hear that clip from Senator Kennedy this again. This was bone deep, down to the marrow, stupid. Come on, this was fun. This was delightful. I mean, look, uh, uh, there are certain jobs, for example, like a, a court stenographer that are probably gone. But if you're like repairing windshields, you know, on cars and, and safe light repair. Probably safe. You're probably safe light. Safe light repair. You're safe. Your job is safe. But uh, no, I mean, think about all the time that you could save if, if it, for example, automatically posted the podcast P- MP3 and everything. But today. see, I'm such a perfectionist and Andrew mm. will tell you this that things have to be done in a certain way, in a certain order. I don't trust AI to do it that way. But look, if you turned it on and it watched you for a little bit, it would know that preference and do it for you the way you like I think it. I'm good. Okay. All right. We're going to break here. When we come back, go to the last segment. We're going to talk about how wonderful it is to be in the physical world. And your beautiful earth that lies around you. This is Justin Hardin for Andrea Kay. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Oh, I am so glad to be with you over these last two hours. And I've got eight more hours throughout the rest of the week. This is Justin Hart in for Andrea Kay. Thank you for joining us. Again, you can listen to us on iHeartRadio, or I'll be broadcasting this on Twitter. Justin underscore Hart, live from KCBQ. Going to need uh, a bigger show. That's right. Going to need a bigger show. A bigger boat altogether, right? The famous words from 
from Jaws, and, and something's happened. It's coming to Broadway? Apparently, yeah. They did a big show up in the UK, went to Canada, kind of a spoof on the behind-the-scenes making of the movie, because the movie just was a hard picture to get done. And it's coming to Broadway this July, called The Shark is Broken. <laughs> I love it. That's terrific. Well, look, I want to talk about the physical world and things being broken. The thing that is not broken is our world in the vast cosmos before us here. Because throughout all the nebula and all the galaxies and throughout all the stars adorned with planets, moons, and asteroids, comets, there's our planet, the planet Earth, and we are lucky. And that's my closing segment. We are super lucky to be living here. Perfect orbit around the sun, bathed in all this silence, celestial silence, world spinning gracefully on its axis. Golden rays of our wonderful star, the sun, coming down to us perfectly at the right angle. And we are the fortunate inhabitants of this global celestial sphere. And again, I'm I'm saying this because we've been nitty-gritty into the details of the trolley system and homelessness and AI. But when you really zoom out, I mean really zoom out, you'll find that this is something special. It is a fine-tuned and perfectly positioned home. It was Einstein who said that the most incomprehensible thing about the universe is that it is comprehensible at all. And our existence here is basically like like we won the lottery. All right, And that's what uh, two authors, Peter Ward, Stuart Ross Taylor, they talked about this thing called Rare Earth, how... How crazy it was. And there's another great book called The Privileged Planet. And basically, in, in, in the minds of the former authors, who are not believers in a higher power at all, but they basically said that we won the lottery. I mean, think about all the things that have to be right. The first big portion of luck comes from our guardian angels in our solar system. That's Jupiter and Saturn. And these behemoths, with their big gravitational pull, did you know they act as kind of protective barriers? They they shield our solar system, and more importantly, our planet, from all these comets and asteroids coming in. They're like Atlas holding up these destructive forces against us. And our life-giving sun, it plays, of course, an incredibly crucial role. The sun is has a habitable zone. And that's the zone we just happen to live in, that Goldilocks region, as it's called. Just right. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. And all of these different celestial orbs play a role. Our our large moon, for example, it plays a a vital role in stabilizing the, the rotation of the Earth itself. It maintains all these sort of predictable and life-friendly climates that we have. And, you know, the relationship between the moon and the earth, it's so harmonious that it extends to our tides, as we know, but also the plates. It makes sure that the plates ebb and flow in such a way that it releases heat. And so, curiously enough, the moon is gradually receding from the earth. That is, it's moving farther away. Uh, it, It moves about I think they've calculated to 3.82 centimeters per year. But the sun's girth 
is expanding by about six centimeters per year due to what they call a stellar evolution. And so the, the gradual shifting vantage point of these two orbs keep us in harmony. At some point, I think it's 250 million years from now, that won't be great for us, but I think we'll be able to survive until then, and maybe we'll find another planet by that time, or something else will happen. So we're in an atmosphere, then you come down to Earth, okay? And it's like this, this finely tuned orchestra. It, it strikes nearly perfect balance. It transmits the radiation we need for life, and it blocks most of the lethal energy. It's like this this incredible dance in the atmosphere that none of us see. And we find ourselves on an Earth that is tilted just right. Just right. 23.5 degrees. It's, it's not haphazard. And this crucial angle provides us with our beautiful changing seasons. There's no extreme shifts to freezing. There's no, you know, one point of the planet uh, that is majorly habitable that endures, you know, extremes because of the tilt. The tilt is perfect in that way. And then you think of the sun. It's this nuclear furnace, and it burns too hot but not too cold. And it's positioned just perfectly with that tilt to give us those seasons. And it's a crazy stir of mix there. And what you need to know is that this was planned, okay? The odds were against us all for this whole thing to spin gracefully through orbit. And so as we step forward into what's going to be a crazy financial moment, in the wake of a terrible set of policy decisions and human errors over the last three years, into a lot of unknowns for kids who are desperate for meaning in life, I hope that we can look to the stars and remember that we're not mere spectators, but we are participants in what is really a great cosmic ballet, as someone once put it. And, you know, every now and then, every moment and then, take a moment to look up. Look up to the stars. Find that privileged planet. And get there before Annie does. You know, she's, she's going to take over the moon one day. You know it. This is Justin Hart. I'll be in for Andrea all week. So glad to be with you. The Andrea K Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.